What was it that um the what is it is it Mark Twain that said um it ain't what we know it ain't what we don't know that hurts us it's what we know to be true for sure that just ain't so. All right, everybody, it's Dave and Josh back on again. Dave, I'm like here here's where I'm at in my head right now. I'm going to Puerto Rico and I am not taking kids. <sighs> Nice. Let that sink in, folks. Going to Puerto Rico with no kids. This is... And no agenda. It is, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, not much of an agenda. Not much. I mean, there's going to be a pool and a beach uh, yeah. and stuff. And See a couple of sites? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. We're a sightseeing type yeah. of duo. Yeah. So we'll get out see some sites, maybe do something like that. But, um, yeah, um, it is, it is going to be, that's just where I'm at in my head right now. So what are we doing? Yes. Is this a podcast? It's a podcast episode. It's a podcast. Let's get, right. you, get you back. So get you. <laughs> <laughs> lots of stuff on this one. Uh, we had a fun guest, Carlos Garrido. Uh, before we go into it, let's hear from Carlos on what he does in his elevator pitch. Well, do you know, in reality, I'll give you the technical right answer. The right answer to that is, I, you know, what I do is pretty boring. You tell me what you do. That's yes, technically that the correct. right answer, okay? Yes. If you're going to build your business, I imagine people listening to your pod are, are, are out there <clears throat> learning the skills, techniques, mindsets, behaviors to, to grow a great business or a great book of business. The technical right answer, folks, as Carlos sees it, so it means it's not necessarily correct, it's just my view of the world. The technical right answer is, oh, what I do is pretty boring. What do you do, bud? Um, and, um, but let's see, let's go, let's cook, because I know that isn't really what you're asking. You're really asking for a, for a 30 second commercial. So I'm gonna say, oh, you know, I, um, I've got a pretty cool business here in Miami. Um, but basically, uh, we, we help clients that are struggling with um, with a with a sales team that they uh, that they believe is um, underperforming, and underperforming can mean a bunch of different things. You know, are people missing quotas? Are they well run and led? Is the talent right on the team? You know, do they do they look at their revenue forecast in January the first, and do they have confidence in it? And um, and and if they don't, and if they believe, or you know, if if the truth is that it's um, it's a skills or strategy or staff issue, a, pe a people issue in the sales team, well then um, then then calling me is a is a pretty good idea. We we uh, develop high performing sales teams using a mixture of a consulting model, a training model. And we, we improve processes and, and, and skills using training and consulting and coaching. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'd like to think we're pretty good at it. Um, my clients would tell you we're great at it. Um, but um, I think we could always get better. Wow. Yeah, technically accurate, right, Dave? Technically accurate. Yes. Carlos has got a lot of energy. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. He brings it, man. That's what I like about him. Uh, he's, you know, I, I he's a great trainer. 
Um, he's a great seller. He does a lot of things well. We're going to hear uh, his takes on a lot of different things in this episode, including the future of AI. Yeah, the future of AI and, and selling. That's right. That's right. So uh, without any spoilers, let's dive into Food from the Road. Well, we're going to go west. We're headed out west. Pack up uh, the wagons, folks. We're going west. And so those of you who have ever been in Oregon, we're going to Oregon. So we are getting on the Oregon Trail. We're Ooh. going to Portland. Okay. Like it. We're going to Portland. A little there. bit deeper cut. Uh, again, you know, uh, we're getting a lot of feedback from our listeners. Uh, and this, this another one came in from from one of the people that we work with and listens to the show. And it's from Salty's. It's Salty's is the name of the restaurant. Okay, I'm listening. And it's in Portland. They actually have a couple locations, but the one in Portland I think is interesting. I think it's the original location, Salty's. And it's yeah. on the Columbia River. So if you're in, wow. in Portland, head to Salty's. Now, highlights. What are my rules? My rules of eating are if you're on the, on the coast, we eat fish. If we're in the Midwest, we eat we eat meat, so yeah. we're not eating steak in in uh, Portland. So we're in Portland. We want to be focused. So they have you know an outstanding oyster menu. So if you're in, if you like oysters, and and in a previous episode we talked about the Rocky Mountain oysters okay. that you might get you might get in Phoenix. These are not those. These are actual oysters. All right, good. And uh, but the go to go to on this menu is the uh, is the smoked Columbia River steelhead. So we're getting fish right out of the river right there in Portland. So if you like fish, you like freshwater fish, this is a place for you. Head down to Salty's in yeah. Portland. Yeah, this is a good – yeah, we haven't – I mean, we've definitely done seafood before, but this has – this sounds like a really specific freshwater take. Yes. I like it. Salty's. It sounds good. Everybody, we're going to get into our episode with Carlos Garrido. Check out his podcast. He has uh, a podcast called – this shouldn't happen to us. Here's Carlos Garrido. I believe it's helping people make great decisions. People that without your help wouldn't make a great decision. That's right. And is, 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 is a great decision something that's always in their best interest? A, gr- a great decision for them. Absolutely. Not a great decision for me. A great decision yeah. for them. Right. 100%. The killer is, especially when you're in sales, they don't want your help. Um, that's the yeah. hard part. It's like being the parent of a teenager, you know, <laughs> you, you're trying to help them make good decisions and they don't need, they don't want your help. Yes. They don't nope. think you know how to help them. They do. You don't know their world. Um, and, um, you know, your motives aren't aligned. You're an yes. idiot. So it's, um, they don't want your help. Yeah. And you got they, they lock themselves in, in their room with all kinds yeah. of literature. We don't know where it came from. We don't know what they're looking at and they're making their own decisions. We just have to do the best we can. Yeah. You know, Sebastian the other day says to me, I said, Sebastian's my uh, 15 year old. Yeah. He, he comes home from school and he's playing something on his Xbox. God knows what it is. It's like a, something where he's shooting people anyway. And I said, uh, and I said to him, Hey, bud, you know, is it a good idea to do the, your homework first and then the games or the games first and then that? And he looked at me like, Dad, get out of my room. It, and I'm just like trying to inspire a good decision through using great questions. Yes. Um, but he just wasn't. He wasn't engaging. Some will, some won't, you know? And, yeah. and it's very, it, it's, that's a sales job. 
It's a sales job to help somebody make a great decision yes. in absolute, in full knowledge of the fact that he doesn't want my help. Yeah. You know, it's, in, it's interesting. You make me think about that situation when we were dealing with, you know, dealing with prospects. I mean, kids for sure. I raised daughters, so I know for a fact they didn't listen to me. Well, I learned later they did listen to me. So the point is, like when you when you have somebody, I've got two daughters, one son. Girls are mean. Girls yeah. are wired way meaner than boys. They, they are, and uh, and I found out years later that they actually did listen to what I had to say and and help them. But but you know, as a seller, I think sometimes we have prospects who don't want our help, and we kind of shift into this mode of trying to convince them versus just holding our line and saying, look, I'm here to help you. This is the problem I see. If you're not seeing that problem today, then that's okay. But we're going to just agree to, to move along. Is that posture help you think in, in, in maybe we get that relationship later or, or do we make them mad and they never talk to us again? Maybe some of oh, wait, that certainly happens. <clears throat> I had one guy so furious with me that I wouldn't just do a show up and throw up. You've no idea. You know what What occurred to me that day? It occurred to me that um, there are two types of objections in, in, in the world, sales objections in the world. Um, there's somebody who's objecting to a feature of your product or service, whether that be price, you know, color, um, right. the, some feature that either is there or isn't there, that they want to be there. That's one basket of objections. And then there's a basket of objections where people are objecting to your sales process. And it, and it occurred to me that salespeople obsess about the first basket when, in fact, it's the second basket which stimulates the most emotion. People will... People yeah. kind of swallow a, a, a feature or even a price that is uncomfortable for them or an aspect of your product or service that isn't quite a fit. But you try and push them out of their buying process into your selling process, and some people will react in the most um, emotionally charged way. They are the hardest. I had a, So you're exactly right. Uh, there was a guy that um, I was referred to that had a, um, I don't know, it was, it was laundry mat equipment, if you can believe it. Um, mm. And they had, um, you know, and he said, uh, hey, you know, you know, so, so tell us what you do. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing all the great reverses. Hey, you know, listen, I'm not even quite sure what to talk to you about yet. Can I ask you some questions? No, I just want you to tell me what we do. And I wouldn't do it. And it, and it got to the point where I said, listen, I, I don't think we're both seeing today's meeting through a similar lens. I think what you're looking for me to do, um, I'm not prepared to do. And he said, so you don't want the business? I said, not under these terms, no. And he got really upset, and, <laughs> and he put the phone down on me. And, I, and I'm never expecting that guy to call me back. Now, I'm not an idiot. He's in my 30-day file. I do touch him every 30 days. Yeah. But, he, but he's, never, he's never bit. Who knows? One day he might. Who knows? You right. know? Um, but, but, yeah, I, um, I, I come at it with a very clear view. A client once said to me, that the Sandler methodology, which is what we use, like you two guys and me, we use our Sandler methodology. We use a methodology. Uh, that he said it isn't a sales methodology. He said it's a communication methodology that you guys apply in the context of sales. Yeah. This is what he said to me. And he said it's a way. This was brilliant. This is a client. This is, these aren't my words. It's a client's words. He said, um, 
He said you get so he said the the methodology is structuring a conversation where two people who don't trust one another can have a conversation rich in truth and it creates action. Um, that's what he said. He said you just you guys just apply it in sales. And I said to him, there's a reason for that. What do you think the reason is? He said, because that's where the money is. I said, yep, that's exactly why. Because <laughs> that's where the money is. Um, but, um, but he's right. It's just two people having a conversation. They don't trust one another. But we can still have a conversation that's rich in truth, creating action, and very importantly, recognizing the humanity in both sides of that conversation. Both sides of the conversation. I'm a human. You're a human. For rich in doubts and fears and ego. You have to manage that. If we're pretending that we're automatons and robots, um, and, and that, you know, you put in the, if we're a computer, you put in this input and there the output comes out. If you don't recognize or account for the humanity in it, um, you're not going to get very far. You know, we're not yeah. automatons, we're, we're humans. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty profound, you know, just the, idea that in, in, in an age now where I, AI, you, you know, every time I turn around, there's something about chat GPT, Drake's not writing his own songs, singing them either. I mean, in, in a time where that's going on, the fact that there's this human element that's, that's irreplaceable, <laughs> even in a conversation that has as much uh, stigma as a sales conversation, that's where the humanity is. Like, it's interesting if in the future, like the only humans transacting any kind of, you know, relational sort of making any reciprocal sort of, uh, you know, exchange of emotion are, are salespeople and prospects like that. Maybe, maybe that's where it's all headed. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? So I've got a, I've got my own theory about AI, which, you know, I, I'm going to share. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So, um, so here's here's my um, theory. I believe here's my belief set. Number one, a, a bunch of belief sets. Number one, this is going to change the world in a more profound way than any recent development, technological development has. And I'm including internet and <coughs> mobile telephony. I mean, change the fabric of how yes. human beings are, are are existing on this planet. So that's number one. Number two, it's going to happen really quickly. Like in two years' time, you're either on the crest of that wave or, you, or, you've, or you've been washed away. It's fast. Number three, the difference between an expert and a novice in this world today is wafer thin. Just got really in small. In six months' time, <laughs> it's going to be massive. So you better get on it now. Or you, can, you can't, you're not going to be able to re-engineer it. You're not going to be able to go back and learn it. I don't think. Well, yeah. I suppose you can, but it's a heavy lift. And that's getting wider every day, that gap. Yeah. Number four, in, in the world, I think there are those activities, those commercial activities and, and non-commercial activities, actually, which are one-to-one -one activities. What, like, for example, selling. One-to-one -one activities are going to be human-led AI co-pilot. One-to-many activities are going to be um, AI-led human co-pilot. So, for example, marketing, I believe, is going to become a human-led AI co-pilot um, um, endeavor. 
selling is going to be a human-led AI co-pilot endeavor. Um, prospecting is interesting because is that a one-to-many or a one-to-one? It's kind of a one-to-many, but with one-to-one slices in there. And again, I think that could that that's probably going to be a partnership AI and um, and um, and humans. Uh, that that that's my belief set. Interesting, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here on the Sales Tales podcast. Carlos Garrido's dark horse theory for the future of AI. Now, yeah. uh, Carlos, we're hoping to, to to finish the show with a with a flurry of of great stories. Can you help us out? Um, yeah, sure. Tell me a story you want to hear. What do you All want? right. So first one is what we call a sales tale. So this is a great achievement in the long history of your broad or native definition of sales in that time. What's the greatest achievement, singular achievement, single wow. event, Shit. pivotal now? There could be a multitude of things, and you're just going to have to choose from it, and then pretend that it's the greatest. Of he all. says so many. He's like, I can't pick. I can't pick one. Yeah, I think so it could be. You know, the other thing about these is it doesn't have to be a big revenue thing. It could right. be just one of those times you, Great you did something that it was like, wow, that really worked, or you know, just you know that kind of uh, one proud moment where you sold. Sometimes it doesn't have a lot of even revenue oh, associated with it. I've got it. You know, okay. So for, for your listeners out there, I don't believe any of them believe that you just dropped that question on your guests. They tell us they're going to ask us this question. So, <laughs> you know, I, so I, and I was, and I was like kind of, I was thinking, ah, do I talk about this one? Do I talk about yeah. that one? And I couldn't think, but you've just, you've just clarified it for me. I know the one I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm going to talk about my th- it, it, within my Sandler world, my fastest close, the, the right. speediest close, okay? And then I'll tell you what I learned when, when, in this event. So this was around, this was in June, and I know it was June because it was when we were, it was when I was in the middle of our um, virtual conference. Um, we, we for, for your listeners, we get, us guys get together three times a year, once a year, since COVID, the one of those has been virtual. Um, before COVID, we were all we were all getting together physically three times a year for our learning because we you know we do everything we tell our clients to do, and we we take some time to learn. Um, and but I remember it was June 2020, and um, I was I was we were the 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 conference I, that day's conference was just kind of wrapping up, so it was about 3 p.m. And uh, my phone rang, and and I looked at the number. I, I didn't know the number, but I picked it up. And the guy said, um, "Is this is this Carlos?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, Carlos here." He said, um, "Hey, it's um, it's Steve here." Gave me his second name. I'll I'll, I'll spare his blushes. Um, and um, and I, he, and I said, "Nope, don't remember, bud." And I actually thought, nice pattern interrupt. Um, and the um, <laughs> Do you know, we, we're great guys to cold call. I had a cold call this morning from, I have to go, I'm going to go on an aside. I had a cold call this morning from a guy called Valentine, nice. which is the same. He described it as Valentine without the E. And um, it was an okay call, but it wasn't great. 
So I, um, I, I got the name of the company, and um, and I'm gonna as soon as this finishes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to the CEO to say Valentin gave me a cold call. His tonality was great. His scripting was awful. If you want me to, uh, this is what I do for a living. If you're interested, reach out to me. I've closed business that way. I, I always take Interesting. a cold call. Yeah, I was um, going to ask you if you actually tried to coach the person who's just called you. Valentin, look, can we back up? Let's let's try this again. <laughs> well, he, you know what he said to me? It was very weird. He said to me, um, hey, is that Carlos? I said, yeah. He said, Carlos. And I knew it was a cold call straight away, but I thought, good technique. Uh-huh. Um, and he said, he said to me, um, he said, I just wondered if you've started any advertising for your business yet. And I said, what? He said, have you started any advertising for your business yet? I said, mm-hmm. I don't understand the question. He said, I just want to know if you've started any advertising for your business yet. I said, that, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the, the sentence construction is all off. What are you talking about? He said, um, he said, well, do you advertise? And I went, ah, that's a better question. Yeah, we do do a little advertising. <laughs> I'm a pain in the ass to call. I really am. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, but anyway, they, they need help. Um, so uh, the guy who owns Thraska, I don't know who they are. They're somewhere in St. Pete's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a call before the end of the day. But anyway, Steve rang me up. And he said, um, hey, Carlos, it's Steve. Um, and he gave me the name of the company. And I said, no, nope, it's not ringing any bells. But he said, no, nah, I'm not surprised. He said, you did some training for us about four years ago. And I thought, oh, shit, I've dropped the ball. I don't remember a client. He said, you, we, wasn't, we weren't your client. Um, you were covering for another trainer. And I remembered covering. Uh, do you remember Lewis Fogel? He's out of our network now, but the coolest guy, such a sweet guy. Um, and I remember he had a conflict one day. He had a three-day boot camp, and he had a conflict on one of the days. He asked me to cover, and I covered for him. Um, so I remembered the event, and I went, oh, the software company, right? He said, yeah. I said, okay, cool, yeah. How can I help you? I remember you guys. He said, um, he said well, you know, um, it's been a few years since, we, since the team got Sandler trained, and, you know, I'm interested in doing some training. I wasn't sure if we were allowed to ring you, whether we had to ring Lewis. And I said, well, really, you should ring Lewis. But the reality is Lewis has retired. So, hey, hey hey-ho, I'm here. (laughs) Um, How can I help you? And and I said to him, you know, know, where have you been for a couple of years? Have you not been training the team? He said, no, we went to to Challenger. Ah, We were a little disappointed. But, you know, it was a change from Sandler. But the team have said they want Sandler again. So I thought I'd give you a call. So I said, hey, beautiful, Steve. You know, when do I start? And I was all kind of relaxed because, you know, they knew me and I, yeah. I couldn't remember them. But so I could be a little provocative and they kind of knew the kind of energy I brought. So I was a little cheeky. That word doesn't work in America. It works in England. Cheeky. <laughs> cheeky means, um, I don't think you have the word cheeky in America. It means um, like a little bold, but a little funny with it. What's yes. the yeah. equivalent? I don't know. Yeah. yeah so, we... Do you have cheeky? It's we kind don't. of. I... Okay. I was a bit of a jackass. That's what I say. No, but you see, but I wasn't, but it's kind of fun with it, you know? Anyway, so I said to the guy, you know, when do I start? Ha ha. And the guy said, um, and he said, uh, well, you know, uh, uh, could, could you help us out? So, and here's what I said. And I love this. I said to him, Steve, you've got a choice. We can book a call. And I said to him, how long were you in Sandler training? And he said, oh, over the years. 
many times, he said. I've worked with many Sandler trainers for over 20 years. I said, perfect. I said, Steve, you've got a choice. You, we can book a 90-minute call, and, um, and the reality is you're going to love what you see. You'll hear me do a cool upfront contract. We'll be about 20 minutes into pain, and you'll realize you're in pain, and you'll love it. You'll love the ride, Steve. I promise you. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a master technician. You, and you'll know what I'm doing, so you'll have a great time. I said, or you could just tell me how much you want to spend. Tell me how much, how many times you want, you know, how many times you'd love me to, to speak to the guys, how many guys you've got, and I'll tell you if I can do it or not, or I'll, you know, we can do it right now, and within five minutes, we can have an agreement. Your choice. Do you want to do it in five minutes? Do you want to do it in 90 minutes? He said, let's do it in five minutes, Carlos. I said, let's. He said, well, I don't know. I'm, I said, what do you want? He said, I don't know. Give us like a day's training and then maybe a little reinforcement I said that's what I love to do love doing that Steve I, I said how much money have you got he said well I've got what I got in the budget for challenger I said okay <laughs> I said okay but we've got a choice now we can have an arm wrestle about it or if it's enough then we'll make that work and I promise you within a couple of months you're going to ask me to do more and then you're going to have to find money. But I'll make your challenger. I could probably make your challenger budget work. How much you got? He said, well, I've already got approved what we had in last year, which was 50 grand. I said, I can do something for 50 grand, but don't worry about it. I'll get something in the books for 50 grand. How about this? We'll meet them this day. I'll do a day and a half, and I'll, do a, and I'll meet you a couple of, you know, I'll meet you once a month for a couple of times. Um, and, uh, and at the end of that, I promise you, you're going to want more. But then you're going to promise me you're going to get more. He said, I love it. I said, I love it too, Steve. I said, um, let me, give me your email address. Boom, boom, boom. I said, I'm going to shoot you in a letter of engagement. I said, um, you, what are you going to need? You're going to need 10 minutes to read it, five minutes to read it. How long? It's not a complex letter of engagement. It's like four pages long. And the only page you've really got to be interested in is the back page. He said, no, I'll get it right back to you. I said, great. Boom, 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 boom. Did a click, click, click. Send immediately back signed. Nice, nice. And I looked at when I emailed. Are, are you still on the phone? And the time on the phone was fifteen. The time he called me to the email being returned was fifteen minutes. And something amazing occurred to me. Not everything has to be an arm wrestle. They are still a client of mine, and by the way, they are now a very high value client of mine. Um, because it played out. Now, could I have got more money? Absolutely, I could have got more money right at the beginning. Sure. And I could have delivered more impact right at the beginning. Or maybe not. Maybe, because we know that time is the killer of all deals. Yes. You know, maybe the space between that conversation and me booking a meeting with him, something happens, something in the business, something in the economy. So, you know, meteor hits him or something. Who knows what happens in that time? What about if he gets upset with me? What about if the day that we have our discovery meeting, he's had a bad morning? What if I've had a bad morning and, I, and the best Carlos doesn't show up that day and he thinks, wait a minute, we can do better than this? I'm a big believer. I, from that day, I, 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 if we sell them what they're buying, and then help them figure out what they should be buying. 
Um, and I think sometimes in sales, we overcomplicate it. Yeah. It becomes like a, an arm wrestle, an exercise in convincing somebody. It was that I, I had a lot of lessons from that day and they are now a very, very valued client by me. In fact, I'm training them tomorrow afternoon. Um, and um, in fact, you guys will have seen them in the, um, on, the, on our Monday calls now. They're, they're now in our public program with a private element, and, uh, and I do a, a boot camp with them every, every year, and it's, uh, they're a very, very nice client for us. Big team, software yeah. company. Huge impact we're having on that team. Ah, listen, not because I'm some kind of magician. They are good guys. They are very well led by a leader who challenges them nurturingly, pushes them out of the comfort zone, holds them accountable. You know, it's a leadership puzzle, and the leaders, the two leaders there are extremely good. Um, and, um, and they do an excellent job of operationalizing the guidance and advice that I, that I give the team. And also the team are real groovy people. They're really cool people. Nice. So it isn't me. It's them. Yeah. Um, but they're doing amazingly well record quarter after record quarter that's great that's a a great a great story and and obviously you know the benefit of having that lasting impact really justifies the decisions that were you helped someone make a great decision and when i look at and i kind of hold that story up to the light i get all the things i do and what i see the people i teach do put stuff in our own way man just i i'm following my sales process and i always have a discovery call after the initial engagement and then after the discovery call we do a demo after the demo i mean and you didn't need any of that stuff i think you know i'm, I'm you you guys remember the old sandler um story about do you learn this methodology um to defend yourself or to attack Mm. And do you remember the uh, do you you're the, do you remember the story? You're the kid that uh, that learned karate to beat people up. I'm the kid yeah. that learned karate to defend himself. And um, I, I that really resonates with me when you think about that story. There's a guy who wanted to buy something. Yes. And I can I can help him with something. I mean, why does it need to be so bloody complex? Now sometimes. We need this, the methodology to defend ourselves or for, in, in an ideal world, me, me in the sales seat, to defend the buyer from their worst instincts. I, that wasn't yeah. the case with Steve. I didn't need to protect Steve from himself. Right. Steve was ready, primed to make a great decision. I didn't need to beat Steve. <sighs> I did, I just, and I didn't need to protect Steve from himself. I, I'm a believer that, um, that the prospect isn't the enemy. It's our pride. It's our. It's our, our. Our. It's the salesperson's habits and beliefs that are the enemy. The prospect's actually your ally. Your allies in it together. You're in this together, and you're fighting your own like worst human instincts. Both of yeah. you um, right. to create a great decision. And typically, because that sounds very grandiose, right? And I, and I'm now thinking about I your listener. I'm thinking about your listener. Thinking, <laughs> God, you know, we're not changing the world here, guys. But actually, we are. There are typically huge, life-changing amounts of money on the line when a salesperson meets a prospect for both sides. Life-changing values, valuations. You know, the impact is typically. It isn't a stick of chewing gum here, right? The low-value decisions aren't really sales processes. 
they're click and buy on Amazon. Yeah. If a salesperson's involved with a prospect, it's usually pretty important because the economics don't support a salesperson getting involved when it isn't um, it, where, where it isn't important. These are usually big value terms, either dollar value or you know commercial value or business value. You know, it's it's important stuff to get right. It really is. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that context, Carlos. You know what? We'll 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 take that lesson to heart now on the show. Usually, we 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 reverse and we ask a lot of a lot of questions to really get to the meat of what you learned. But oh, I feel that like was a nice that was a nice way of saying, Carlos, you go on and on and on, <laughs> and you blow no, the time contract, bud. I, I think the one big struggle sellers face is is you both illustrated here get out of the way like yeah just build that trust ask smart questions and get out of the way and let people it's a journey of self-discovery he called you for a reason you probably found out the real reason he called you at some point down the line but there was a reason he was calling you that day and he needed to get something done for a reason. And it wasn't just to the sales people said, hey, boss, can we get some training? Like, yeah. there was something else going on in you know, his it's business. It's very interesting in this. I don't think we're going to get to a fail. But it's very. this is such an interesting case because I was, I was thinking only this morning about that client, about the fact that neither I nor he knew where the real big challenge was. And at the time, we've learned since. But if I'd have said to him, hey, if you had a, you know, one of our typical questions, if you had a magic wand and you could fix something, what would you do? He's like, I don't know. If I'd have asked that question, he'd have given me a good answer because he's a super smart fella. He'd have given me a good answer, but I doubt he would have actually, I I don't think he'd have given me the real challenge of that sales team that took us a year to figure out. It took us a year, but when we figured it out, and, and, it was a, and every sales team has got their own flavor of that issue, of whatever this issue is. They, every sales team, in my experience, is different. In this one particular case, they had come to believe something about their market that wasn't true. What was it that, um, the, what is it? Is it Mark Twain that said, um, it ain't what we know. It ain't what we don't know that hurts us. It's what we know to be true for sure that just ain't so. <laughs> they yeah. they knew something about their marketplace that was killing the business, and it just wasn't true. Um, and if I'd have asked him about, if I'd have even asked him about it at the beginning, he'd have defended their belief. That's how our business is, Carlos. That's what everybody's been. And I just said, do you know what, Steve? I'm not buying it. Is that really the case? That's how it is. That's just how it is. They'd all come to the conclusion that that's how their buyers buy. And, um, and the reality is, over two years, we've completely unpicked that belief, and, we, and we've turned it on its head. And now they're, like I say, it's record month after record month after record month. Yeah. Record nice. quarter after record we've- quarter. Yeah. Cleared those beliefs. It takes well, it takes time and dedication to really replace limiting beliefs yeah. with good ones. Yeah. So, Carlos, we have to do a fail. We're gonna wrap okay. up. It doesn't have to be long, but dark side sales fail. 
Yeah, just like David said, it doesn't have to be a big revenue impact. Just something that a moment you'd like to have back. Um, oh, I'd like a dozen moment not a dozen i'd like a, a you know a, a gross of moments back in my sales career uh, but it occurred to me that one common feature of, of where i drop the ball is when i get excited and pushed out in my sales process when i now you could say well wait a minute steve pushed you that last story got pushed out of your sales process but he didn't push me out of my sales process. We both held hands and wandered out of my sales process <laughs> together. But there are many times I'm pushed out of my sales process, and it and it is and it never works. I had a guy, right. um, and I remember now. This is recent. Guy calls me up. Um, hey, you've been um, you've been referred. I don't think it was a call. It was probably an email or whatever. He um, he got on my radar. We we structured a call. I did a little intro call. And my sales process is pretty clear. Intro call, followed by discovery call. And then either at the discovery call, we've made a decision, or it might need one more call. But I have a, yep. a, a, a two to three step process. And whenever somebody twists my arm in the intro call, go into the discovery, it yep. never works. Never works. It yeah. never, ever works. And it only ever happens when they say something nice and they give me a stroke and they, they make me convinced that this was already decided. I'm ready to right. make a decision today, Carlos. Can we just keep it, going? It's like, so the guy rings me up. He's the, he leads like a, a sales team that sells for a buying group and they sell to a very particular industry and they're trying to sell memberships into the buying group. Uh, in my car, it's just like a, hey, how are you? I kind of do that on purpose because I don't want to get pushed into doing a show up and throw up. So I make it as informal as possible, and I just say, "Hey, here's who I am. Who are you? Tell me about you. Is there a good reason we should jump? You know, we should put 90 minutes aside, and it gives me an opportunity to sign mm -hmm. up front contract, and it's cool." And um, and this um, this guy, I'm driving along, and he went, "No, Carlos," he said, "No, no, no. We've we've been referred to you. There's a guy who says the only people we need to work with is you. Uh, there's a guy from." Um, um, SAP, it was either SAP or uh, IBM or someone. It wasn't IBM. I forget. Um, but it was a very, very big that yeah. I know is one of our clients. And, um, and I'm like, oh, right, yeah, cool. And I'm, I'm trying to get back into my process. And he, and he just started bombarding me with, hey, but the team looked like this, and how would we deliver it? And, you know, what yeah. kind of budget do we need set aside? And he was just such cool energy, and he embraced me so hard, and it was like, and I told him everything. I just yeah. opened the kimono and told him <laughs> everything. And, um, and the guy went, great, yeah, listen, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Click, never heard from that guy again. Uh, I called him, and he ghosted me, and I just felt bad about myself. You know, just I fell into his honey-filled trap. He's like Matahari, his honey trap. I fell into his honey trap. Yeah. 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 I, the you know, siren song. The siren song the of the siren, prospect. The, the, and my ship got crashed onto the rocks <laughs> from his wonderful siren song, like a scene from the, from, um, the Odyssey, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's very good. Very good. Yeah. And, and I think that really right there is often where, I mean, whether it's in that moment in the beginning or somewhere along the line that where we fail is we fall out, we fall out of our 
system, the process we know that works and we fall into theirs and, and we don't see it or we do it intentionally sometimes, we'd say, well, this time it's going to work. Yeah. And we go right down that path. And, and only by the way, David, I do that. I do what I just it, described a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like way it too still often. Happens. Like, at yes. some point, I've got to learn this lesson, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Awesome. Oh, done it again. Oh, yes. Done it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. There's a buyer seller dance that we like to talk about, and it's yeah. it's a it's a really slippery slope. We start hearing things that sound like things that we can solve, and those child recordings start playing that we've been rewarded for what we know our entire lives, and we just can't help ourselves because we see somebody we can help, and we start to help by giving them information. They take it. And we really never knew why they were asking in the first place. And, here and, it, and it doesn't help them make a great decision, right? It doesn't. That's right. So I, I think that's a really good, you know, goalpost or North Star to, to these two stories, Carlos, right? Because in, in the second one, who's, how are we helping him make a good decision? He's asking all the questions, but we don't know what the parameters of that decision are or how the information is going to help. And neither does he. he. But he thinks he does. Or she thinks mm -hmm. she does. And, we, and I get sucked into it. My team gets sucked into it, I'm sure you. And we're supposed to know better, which is why, you know, we've got a podcast too, like your podcast, called It Shouldn't Happen to Us, which is about <laughs> this very topic. It's not supposed to happen to guys who know what they're doing. And right. it happens to us all the time. All the time. In fact, I think it helps our ability to... Um, support our clients, coach our clients. The fact that it does happen to us, right? If we were so, if we were perfect in the marketplace, we wouldn't be able to help people. It's because we've got a ton of empathy. We can coach and and train people, right? Yeah. Um, Lionel Messi would be a terrible soccer coach because it's just he's he's a genius. It's in his DNA. He wouldn't be able to help somebody who doesn't know what he knows. It's just instinctive in him. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Um, can you tell us where we can find that podcast, Carlos? Uh, on all good channels, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and um, it's also um, on YouTube. It's it's me and Sophia, um, and we have a chat every week about stuff that shouldn't happen to us, but seems to, and. Um, and uh, we have a, a newsletter that accompanies it for those that are real super fans. And um, if you go to um, uh, ish2pod.com, which is um, it shouldn't happen to us, the initials of it shouldn't happen to us, ish2pod.com, you can see a way to, um, to, to listen to past episodes or watch past episodes or just subscribe and like. Hell, why Great. not? Yeah. Yeah. Look for that in the show notes, everybody. Carlos Garrido, thank you for being here with us today. This has been fantastic. Thunderous applause. Thunderous, Thunderous applause. applause for Carlos. Snaps. By the way, cheeky would be irreverent. In irreverent. Irreverent. Yeah, but even David. that doesn't have the right energy because that sounds too. It sounds um, like it's a terrible word, but it's that, you know, no, we, we need to make cheeky happen in the U.S. I'm just going to start using we, it. This is the. Uh, the challenge today, Josh, is working cheeky into your <laughs> next your next session. Yes, I agree with you. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. We're going to bring cheeky back. Yeah.
Nice. All right, everybody. Thanks, Carlos. Hey, if you're into disclaimers, this next part is really going to rock your world. Sales Tales is a Kaufman Group podcast. The Kaufman Group is a franchisee of the Sandler Network, all rights reserved. No portion of this publication may be used without the express written permission of Sandler Systems, LLC. Sound engineering for this podcast by C2D2 Films.